Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Gospel of John, chapter number 4, and then we'll go to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 3. John, chapter number 4, and I don't want to read this entire story for the sake of time. I think the majority of us would be somewhat familiar with this story. So I want to break into this narrative at about verse 15 and read down through verse 18. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband, and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that sayest thou truly. If you would turn with me on to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number 3 and verse 19. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 19. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, I want you to notice this last statement, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's a powerful statement that sometimes we look at and we kind of peruse over this passage and we don't really take into account I might say that in the book of Ephesians you'll see this term full or filled several times it talks about being filled with the spirit be not drunk with wine where is in excess but be filled with the spirit talks about being filled with the righteousness of God so there's several different times that the word or the term filled or full is used But uh, this takes on even a bigger aspect when it says filled with the fullness of God. And that's what I want to preach, be filled with the fullness of God. Amen. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord and let's pray together right now that the Spirit of the Lord would meet with us, minister to us, and help us here today. Jesus, We look to heaven right now in need of you. We're praying, God, for your help, your guidance, your direction, your assurity. God, we need your anointing most of all. We understand that without your anointing, it's impossible to do the work that we need to do. That's the enabler. That's the strength. That's what drives this thing home. And so we pray for that anointing that only you give that comes from you in Jesus' name. Let's give thanks to the Lord and praise to Him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I want to say it's good to see Brother Anzal Duell in church also. Appreciate the Lord touching him. Praise God. Filled with all the fullness of God. Be filled with all the fullness of God. The scripture, not just as I've already mentioned in the book of Ephesians, but throughout the word of God, you'll find this concept of being filled, or better stated, what we fill our lives with. You'll see it's pretty exhaustive throughout the Word of the Lord as you begin to read through the Bible and study this particular theme throughout Scripture. There's so many things that consume us or can consume us. One can be filled with the cares of life. And uh, that's very easy to do in the days and times that we're living in. One can be filled with fear. One can be filled with pride. And in the last days, the Bible tells us that the things that we'll confront is the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. One can be filled with hate. One can be filled with with bitterness. One can be filled with envy. One can be filled with strife. There's a whole lot of strife in our world, in our society today. One can be filled with greed. Yet these things never lead to satisfaction. They never satisfy. Sin, though it can be so alluring, it can be so attractive, it can be dressed up to be something that catches the eye and appeals to the flesh, yet sin never satisfies. James so uh, describes sin, articulated so clearly when he said, When lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. In other words, it, it starts with the glitter. It starts with the shine. It starts with the attraction and the appeal, with the allurement of it all. But that's not the end of it. That's not the end of the story. Sin, when it's finished, when it's ran its course in a person's life, it bringeth forth death. Sin is insatiable. It never gets enough until it totally destroys an individual. It just seems like it continually uh, begins to push that person and drive that person to destruction. The wise man of Proverbs wrote in 30 and 16, There are three things that are never satisfied. Yea, four things say not it is enough. The grave the barren womb, the earth that is filled with water and fire saith not it is enough. There's just some things that are never satisfied. Can I tell you that sin is never satisfied until it totally destroys an individual and consumes them to the point that it's damned their soul. John 10 and 10 says the thief cometh not but for to steal 
and to kill and to destroy. This is no petty thief that you and I are dealing with. The enemy of our soul is a thief that not only wants to take everything away from you, not only does he want to take your joy, not only does he want to take your relationship with God, not only does he want to take uh, the completeness that, that living for the Lord gives you, not only does he want to take your anointing, or you fill in the blank, whatever it is, blessing and touch of God and favor of God that is upon your life, but he wants to ravage you. He wants to totally consume you and destroy and dismantle every area of your life. Thief cometh not but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And so as I read this text, I initially thought, filled with all the fullness of God. What does that really mean? And in grammar, one would call this tautology, which is meaning a term or a phrase that is repeated or the meaning of something that is repeated and uh, maybe just emphasized again, overemphasized in one paragraph or one sentence, and that's what this seems to be at first glance, at first perusal of this. However, this verse, the word fullness that is being spoke of here means being satisfied. And so if you understand where I'm coming from here this morning, you can quickly see that your life can be filled with a whole lot of things, but you not really be full. In other words, your life can be filled with a lot of things and you still not be satisfied. I've seen a lot of people that give their life to sin, give their life to the things of the world, seek out satisfaction and carnality and the things that this world has to offer, yet they're far from being satisfied. It seems like they pick up one thing and, and they conquer it or they get their gold in and whatever it is that they're trying to achieve there, they obtain it and, and it somehow loses its sparkle and it loses its shine and they cast it aside only to seek something else and try to find satisfaction in something else. But they mistake what really satisfaction is. They don't have a true concept of what it is to be satisfied in your soul and how God created us is there is a void within all of our hearts that really only He can feel that you cannot find in sin, you cannot find in worldliness, you will not find in carnality. Doesn't matter how you are promoted in life, doesn't matter how great you become in life, it doesn't matter how much you achieve in life. Uh, all of that, uh, if you don't have satisfaction in your soul, you're never going to have peace. Uh, you're never going to know what it is to truly feel completeness uh, and satisfaction because that's something that only God can give. Oh, if you believe that, you ought to give praise to Him right now. Colossians 2 and 9 and also verse 10 emphasizes the way to be satisfied spiritually. And outside of this, there's no way to find satisfaction. 
For in him, the Bible says, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Jesus Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him. So it's only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's only through having the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Ghost, on the inside that is available to all of us. We have a promise in the Word of God that we can receive this wonderful gift of His Spirit. And outside of that, that's why it's so necessary that you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's not just an additive. It's not just an add-on. It's not just something that is a, a good blessing to receive somewhere along the way in your relationship with God. But it's essential to your salvation. Because the Bible said, if you have not the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. And if I'm going to be complete in Him, I'm going to have to have His Spirit indwelling me. I'm going to have to have the Holy Ghost and be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why the writer said in this same book that I read to you from this morning to be filled with the Spirit. Amen. Don't be filled with the things of this world. I know that he used the access of wine in that particular passage, but really anything can fill in that blank. You can overindulge in anything in this world, and that will not satisfy you, no matter how much you partake of it, no matter how many times you go back to it. It never, it leaves you hungry. It leaves you thirsty still. It leaves you unsatisfied. But aren't you thankful that you can take one trip to the altar and what you couldn't find in multiple trips to the places of this world you found joy you found peace you found completeness you found hope you found what it was to really be satisfied in your spirit it comes through the spirit of God oh if you have the Holy Ghost can you witness that right now can you give praise to it Searching for completeness and spiritual satisfaction outside of Jesus Christ is a fool's errand. In other words, you're not going to ever find it. And the devil convinced you, said, well, you know, this, this that you had, that's, there's more out here if you'll go a little further. And people end up being so ravaged, so used up and scarred when they finally realize this is not where it's at. Obviously, it's not out here where I've been searching. People indulge in sin. People last night indulged in sin till the wee hours of the morning, but when they awoke this morning, they still had a feeling of dissatisfaction. They still had a feeling of emptiness and sorrow. They still had a shame and a guilt that consumed them. And really, they're more empty today than they were when they started last night. They feel more hopeless today because they tried all of that. And it just didn't bring the peace this didn't bring the completeness filled with sin and carnality and lust and addiction and immorality but no fullness filled but, but not full 
busy with careers, consumed with materialism, yet no fullness. People are today filled their lives with possessions, but they don't have peace. They have great jobs, but they don't have any joy. They have money. Hey, some of the most wealthy people of this world, if you think money is going to buy you joy, you're sadly mistaken. Some of the folks that are the wealthiest folks of this world are committing suicide at a rapid pace. Ending it all because it never brings satisfaction. Filled, but not full. In order to experience God, though, you've got to create capacity in your life. In other words, you can't be filled with all the junk of this world and expect God to, to pour into you and give to you what you need. God's not interested in just topping you off this morning. He wants to consume all of you. He's not going to put his precious spirit on top of the filth and the sin and the corruption of, of the things of this world. But if you're going to have God in your life and if you're going to experience fullness, then you have to be filled with the Spirit of God. You have to be filled with the things of God. You have to be filled, amen, and consumed with the Spirit of the Lord on the inside. That's the only way you can be full or satisfied is to be filled. You cannot expect to come to church on Sunday and just get topped off and leave this place and feel the peace of God and feel the joy of the Lord and feel the completeness of the Lord but if you really want the fullness and the satisfaction that the Spirit has to offer you have to empty yourself out of the things of this world and that's why some people never never really experience it like they should or is available to them or as God would intend it to be in His Word is because they truly have never emptied themselves out and they've only used the things of God as filler for all the areas of their lives that are yet empty and, and there's capacity. Well, I've got a little room over here for you, God. I've got a little place over here cordoned off in my heart and my life. And that's that on Sundays now, I give that to you. But the rest of the week, I live however I want to live. Or at times... Uh, uh, you know, when I need you, God, I've got a little room over here, and I, I want I want to be a said Christian. I want to be a said spirit-filled believer. I want to be a said apostolic. But I'm not interested in allowing you to consume my entire life. I want I want to I want to be full. Uh, uh, I want I want to experience the satisfaction, but I don't want to be filled with the spirit. Well, that's a miserable place to live, and you'll never really, you'll never really experience all that that you could potentially experience as long as you had that kind of mindset, as long as you had that kind of attitude. That I'm just going to to give you a certain portion of my heart or life. It's sort of like this: if you're in a relationship. And someone 
tells you, well, I've been 99.9% faithful to you. You're not going to be thinking about the 99.9% of faithfulness. But your mind is going to be turned to the point zero one percent or whatever it is, point one percent, that there was unfaithfulness. Why would you say 99.9 as though I would be satisfied with that if there's just one little bit of unfaithfulness that overshadows everything else. Can I tell you that that is true in your relationship with God? We've got a God that is a jealous God. The Bible says that He don't just want 99.9% of us. He don't just want a little bit of us. He wants all of us. He wants to consume us. He wants to live and abide in our hearts fully. He wants to feel our lives and it's over and over again as I said in the beginning the theme of scripture that he feels the lives of believers so if you're going to experience completeness in your life you can't be a 99 percenter you got to be a hundred percenter you got to be somebody that gives all to God if you want to experience his promise his favor his blessings in your life give it all to him You know, I know that you've probably experienced this, most of you, at one point or another. But if you've ever got just a little bit of water in your fuel tank, you know, it can affect things drastically. Just a little bit. I know some of you are better mechanics. Well, all of you are better mechanics than me. Uh, But you know, the tendency is... and I suppose this works sometimes. But if you really got a problem with water in your fuel tanks, this is not going to, to cure the problem. But you know they have these additives. You can go to the automotive store and you can get these additives and you can pour it in there. It's supposed to dry up that water somehow and uh, get it out of the tank. But if you got a very significant amount in there, it may work if you had a little condensation in there or something like that. And you just get a little bit of that in there and you've got loss of power. You've got an engine that is misfiring. What we call backfiring. That can be pretty embarrassing. I uh, knew a preacher one time was invited to go uh, speak at a place. And, and uh, he had a sort of a rough old car that he was driving. Probably not because he couldn't have bought a nicer one, but he was just sort of a miser with his money. But this kind of this kind of cured him of that a little bit. Anyway, as he was leaving the parking lot and all the other preachers were standing around, he he, he was having a hard time getting it in gear, and finally he got it in gear. And when he did, just when he got up beside in the parking lot where those preachers were standing, his car backfired. Those fellows thought they'd been shot, and he was humiliated. He said, God's never going to let me have any pride. He's going to keep me humble before him so that I can be used of him, I guess. But, you know, you just get a little bit of water, and it, it can cause a lot of trouble. 
the vehicle starts running rough. And there comes a point that additives are not going to work. They're not going to fix it. You can't pour something else on top of it and fix it. You can't pour something in. You've got to... You got to take the fuel tank down and drain the entire fuel tank and put fresh fuel back in there in order to fix the problem, in order to remedy the situation. That's the only way it can be done. Well, I'm going to tell you it's that way in living for God. We've got to create capacity, and the only way that we can, we can't allow God to just be an additive that we pour on top of everything else and expect him to bless on Sunday what we have been doing six days out of the week that does not please him and just have him pour uh, on top of, of whatever it is and say, God, I want you to bless my life. I want you to I want you to help me. I want to be saved. I want to be identified with those that are in the bride of Christ. I want to be a part of the church. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. But you've got to be totally emptied out. And you've got to allow him to feel your life afresh. Let him empty you out of everything that is unlike him. All sin, all iniquity that is in your heart. And when he feels your life, when you allow him to consume your life, then you can know fullness. Then you can know completeness. Then you can know what true joy is. Then you can know the fullness of the peace of God. Then you can know what it is to walk and be filled with righteousness. You attempt righteousness if you're only using him as an additive. There's no wonder why you cave in when temptation comes. There's no wonder why you back up and capitulate when the opportunity avails itself to participate in carnality. But if you what it is to be filled with God. You'll be full and complete in the things of God in your life. Oh, come on. Lift up your hands and let's give praise to the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And really that is the essence. I'm close to being finished. That is the essence of of this story that I read to you from, and just a portion of it, in John chapter number 4. John chapter number 4. Jesus purposely sends the disciples on ahead to go into the city of Samaria, and on the outskirts of the city is this well where women would come and draw their water at certain times of the day. And she came in an hour at a time when she could be there alone because of her reputation. She didn't want to come when all the other ladies of the city were coming there. And she didn't want to have to put up with their ridicule or their side glances or maybe their air of self-righteousness. Because of her failed life, if you will. These multiple relationships that she had been in. She was sick of the whispering campaign that went on about her. And so she, so she said, I'll go when nobody else goes. And she fully expected nobody else to be at that well. But when she got there, Jesus was leaned up against it. Because he had staged this whole thing so that he could have time to speak to her and also from this story 
all of us. He's still speaking to us through this story. And so she comes to draw natural water, and he says, would you, would you draw me to drink from, from the well? Would you give me a drink? And she, thinking that he was speaking only of the natural water, uh, she, she plays it off. She said, how, how is it that you being a Jew, she could tell by the way he was dressed, his demeanor, that he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan, and there was a lot of discrimination between the two. How is it that you being a Jew would ask me, a Samaritan, to draw water for you? He just kind of cuts to the chase. He says, lady, if you realized who I was, I wouldn't be asking you. But you would be asking me for a drink. She looks. He doesn't have anything to draw with. She says, but this well is deep. And you don't have anything. You don't have a rope or a bucket or anything to draw the water out with. How is this? And he begins to explain to her that he's not talking about water that refreshes the physical body. He's not just talking about water that you take a drink of now and a few hours later you're thirsty again. But he is talking about something far greater than H2O. He is talking about living water. And as he begins to describe it, she begins to get a thirst for it. And I'm not going to belabor the story, but I'm just telling you, it, it, as it were, it whetted her appetite. And she, she began to inquire more about it. And as he began to de describe it and began to give the details about it, finally she just breaks down and cuts in. She says, give me this water that I thirst no more. And then I want you to notice, he, he said, lady, in essence what he was saying is there is some requirements to receive what I'm talking about. And it's very clear in that passage of Scripture that he was speaking about the Holy Ghost that had not been poured out yet but was to come. That was to be the living water. That was what he was describing to her. And he said, go call your husband. She said, I have no husband. He said, well, you have well spoken because you've had five and the one that you are living with right now is not your own. And suddenly she realized, I'm not just talking to an average guy. I'm not talking to an average man. I'm not just talking to a good teacher or prophet or whatever. I'm talking to the Messiah. She received a revelation just like that of who she was speaking to. And he said to her, go call thy husband. In essence, what he was saying is, we're not going to pour this holy living water on top of what all else is in your life and expect it to satisfy you and expect it to bring completeness to you because what I'm talking about again is not an additive. And what I'm talking about right now is not going to, it's not a solution unless you follow the process of emptying yourself. So, lady, what I'm really saying is before you can be filled with this water, you've got to empty yourself out of the things of this world. If you want what I have, you've got to empty out yourself of the things of this world. And once you empty yourself out, you can experience the fullness. When you're filled with this water, you'll really be satisfied. You'll never thirst again. You won't have to go to another relationship and, and 
and wonder if this is where it's at and this is going to bring completeness and this is going to bring joy to my life and this is going to be where I'm going to find peace. No, 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 no. When you get this, you won't be searching out there to try to find it. You'll realize and you'll know and you'll understand that this is what's really going to bring satisfaction to my soul and fullness to my life. Would you stand with me right now? Lift up your hands to the Lord. Come on. Come on, let's lift up our voices to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, folks. The Holy Ghost is not an additive. Holy Ghost is not what you try to put on top of everything else to get God's approval or get God's favor or blessing on something. But in order to really receive and be filled and to experience satisfaction or fullness, one has to empty themselves out. How many times I've seen seekers in an altar praying and wrestling and grappling with trying to receive this precious gift of the Holy Ghost, saying, Feel me! Feel me! Feel me! When really, being filled with the Spirit is not a hard thing if you have faith and you're empty. Empty of sin, empty of the world. We can't get that on our own. We, we have to have him to forgive us. We have to have him to cleanse us. But if we'll ask him, what we really need to be saying instead of fill me, fill me, is we need to say empty me, empty me, empty me of bitterness, empty me of greed, empty me of envy, empty me of strife, empty me of the things of carnality in the world and sin, empty me of lust and pride and whatever it is that is hindering your spirit moving in my life. And then you will fill me. Then you will give me fullness. Then I can experience joy. Then I can experience peace. Then I can have satisfaction. I know it's easy along the way to take on things in this journey. Accumulate things. Anybody like me goes on a trip you come home, you got more than you left with. It's like, where to get all this stuff? Not all going to fit back in the suitcase. Not all going to get back in the trunk of the car. You left. You was already pretty much capacity. You come back and you're now over capacity looking repacking searching for a new place to put something stuffing something in a place where it's probably not going to make it ride well all to try to so in a journey a lot of times in life we can take on things and accumulate things you know, there's certain situations that happen to us in life. We don't mean to, to take it on. 
It's not like we went looking for it. It came and found us. Hurts, anguish, situations, misunderstandings, things said, things done. Didn't ask for that. If you're not careful, it'll get things in your spirit and things will accumulate in your spirit. The Bible talks about a root of bitterness that springs up. Starts growing. You know, maybe, maybe don't even noticing it. You look and suddenly there's a little stalk and now it's a full-blown tree. You know, certain things can start out seemingly so innocent in one's life. So every once in a while, even as a saint of God, just like we came the first time to him and asked him, God, empty me. I repent. That's what you was doing as you was being emptied out. He said, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this kind of life anymore. I don't want this kind of... I don't want to live this way. I don't want to be this person. I, I, I need a change. Empty me. Well, can I encourage you that we got to be emptied over and over again. Sediment can get inside. Things can, can get in there that we didn't, we didn't really plan on it being this way. But it needs to be filtered out. It needs to be emptied out. What if there's somebody who wants to come to the altar today and say, God, empty me. I want to make heaven, folks. I want to be right with God. And I want to experience his fullness on the journey. So empty me. God, empty me of anything and all things. Oh, yes, I need you, Lord Jesus. I need you, Lord Jesus. I need you, Lord Jesus. Lift up your voice.